Sports, business, radio. Sports, business, radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? This is Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. We are breaking down the business side of sports each week. The biggest interviews, the biggest stories. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Good to be back in the host chair after a well-deserved, if I may so, may say so, week off. was down in Southern California. I'll tell you about that a little later in the show. In our show today, we're going to give you the headlines of the week in our next segment, many of them. In segment three, there are just some athletes that have been bothering me for the last few months. And I'm going to give you a little rant. You may turn off your radio or you may say, you know, this is kind of interesting. But uh, I'm an event in segment three of our show today. In segment four, our guest this week, Bill Sanders. He's the vice president of marketing with BDA Sports. They're one of the biggest agents around when it comes to NBA players. Some of their marquee players, Yao Ming, Steve Nash, Rajon Rondo, who's really seen his exposure go through the roof in the last few months. And Greg Oden. So we'll catch up with Bill Sanders from BDA Sports. That's in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm at SB Radio. And we're on Facebook, facebook.com backslash sportsbusinessradio if you'd like to become our Facebook friend. I'm joined in studio by an old friend. Bobby Corser, Bobby, replacing Brian Griggs this week. Bobby, how are you feeling? Feeling much better, Brian. Thank you. Good. It's good to have you in the studio. And, uh, you know, I was down in Southern California this week, had a chance to take my daughter to Disneyland, uh, drove by Petco Park in San Diego. That looks like an impressive facility, but uh, good to be out on the road a little bit and uh, enjoying Southern California. I'll tell you, Disneyland, they know how to market to the kids better than uh, anyone. They had my daughter uh, hook, line, and sinker on everything. With uh, It's amazing how Tinkerbell goes in the closet for all these years, and then in the last few years they bring the movies out and all the toys and everything, and they've got little girls like my daughter uh, baited on all of those things. So parents... Beware if you've got uh, kids out there and you're taking them to Disneyland. But it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. All right. Coming up in our next segment, we are going to give you the headlines of the week. Plenty of them. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. It's the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry. The Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, a milestone that we've been waiting for for a long time, even though it was kind of underrated, Bobby. Alex Rodriguez finally on Wednesday hit home run number 600. Now, back in the day, this was a big deal, but... It just seems like this took forever for him to do it in the last, you know, month or so. And then because of the steroid allegations, I don't think there was quite the uh, buildup. I think this was a tarnished achievement. But a few business notes here. Number one, home run ball number 500 that A-Rod hit sold for about $100,000. It'll be interesting to see how much this one sells for some estimates as high as $200,000. But then A-Rod... You know, who signed that 10-year, $275 million contract uh, in 2007. He can earn up to $30 million more for six milestone homers. So if he ties Mays, he's going to receive $6 million in bonus. He gets $6 million more each time for matching Ruth, Aaron, and Bonds and then breaking the record. So $30 million more on the horizon for A-Rod if he can do it. Youngest one to ever hit 600 home runs, but I don't think he gets to Bonds. I just don't. And, you know, I'll say I think Bonds got there illegally, but I don't think A-Rod, legally or illegally, is going to get to that number uh, that Bonds got to. I, I completely agree. He's 35 years old. It took him three years to hit 100 home runs. And now, granted, he's playing for the Yankees, and they don't always pitch to him just because of the lineup. But still, they get another 156 or 157 more. You got to do the math. That puts them close to 40. And as you and I both know, as you get you know into your late 30s and 40s, your body starts to break down as a professional athlete. I just don't think he gets there. I think he passes you know junior. I think he gets up the list a little bit more. He'll end up in the top three somewhere. I just don't think he'll he'll get close to Barry. Yeah, I don't think he will either. But uh, it'll be interesting to watch, and it'll be interesting to watch. Also, how the athletes of this era, you know, who achieve these milestones, do they get into the Hall of Fame or not? I mean, we've seen Mark McGuire not get in. Barry Bonds hasn't been on the ballot yet. Will A-Rod get in when his name is on that ballot one day? That's going to be interesting to watch. Our next headline, the Major League Soccer Board of Governors has approved a contract extension for Commissioner Don Garber that will see him continue to lead the league as commissioner through 2014. Um, He signed his first deal as commissioner in 1999 after 16 years working at the NFL. He's probably going to make a little over $3 million a year. I think Garber's done a good job. I think what he's specifically done a good job with is, A, he's increased franchise values. B, he has gotten the teams to play in soccer-only venues. So they're not playing in those cavernous NFL stadiums where there's a lot of empty seats. They're playing in the soccer-only venues where... They appear more full, and I think that's been good for the overall perception of the league. No, I completely agree. And the other thing that he's done really well is he's been able to go out and market TV-wise the MLS. Now, granted, you're still not seeing them you know, like you are the NFL or Major League Baseball, but they still have a contract deal with ESPN and ABC. You see them you know, on the bigger games, and you know, there's, I really think the World Cup, 
I don't know if it's going to help the MLS necessarily overall like we saw with the NHL and the Olympics, but I think it's just kind of, again, raised the public's awareness that professional soccer is out there, and I think that's all you can really ask for right now. Well, and I'll tell you what. I've said this on past shows. The MLS is primed next summer to take advantage of all of the fans who are probably going to be angry, dismayed with the NBA and with the NFL because both of those leagues a year from now are probably going to be either on the verge or in the midst of work stoppages. And when that's going on, fans are going to want to spend their entertainment dollar somewhere. And the MLS, I think, is going to be primed to capture some of those fans in the markets where there are NFL or NBA teams and there's no games going on. So we'll obviously uh, keep our eyes on that. Our next headline, this is an interesting one, very interesting one to debate. Got a lot of chatter this week. The Miami Heat fired their season ticket sales staff. That's around 30 people. Bobby, basically, after they had that big free agent haul, LeBron James, they re-signed Dwayne Wade. They acquired Chris Bosh, signed him as a free agent. They sold all their tickets as far as the season tickets go. Now, we had Eric Woolworth, the president of business operations of the Miami Heat, on a few weeks ago. They've held some tickets back, so... People can buy individual tickets. They're not pricing out the common fan from going to the games. But as far as their season tickets, they sold them all. So some people say, hey, look, it's a bad way to do business. You get rid of 30 people on your staff when business is very good. Your franchise value is increasing. You're making all this money from these acquisitions. But other people say, you know what? I get it because there's really nothing left for them to do. They sold the, out of their inventory. What are they going to do? Sit on their hands and twiddle their thumbs? What do you think? No, I completely agree. And, you know, I'd heard it earlier in the week, you know, speculation that the reason why some of these people were fired is that in seasons past, they'd have to lower the curtain in the top of the bowl of the arena and American Airlines in, in Miami. And basically they'd label it as a sellout. And clearly that's not the case because they still had a ton of empty seats. But, you know, listen, how Pat Riley does business in Miami is his choice. But the fact that you you know you fire these guys, my question is, what about next year when all the season tickets have to be renewed? Are you going to bring the guys back? Is this more of a temporary position or you know really what's going on? But you're right, franchise value is up. You have to have tickets available just for the general public because you don't. There's a giant backlash that you're going to face PR wise. But you're right, there's nothing really for the guys to do. They've already sold everything. So well, and most of the season tickets are sold on multi-year deals. So if you bring them back, you're probably not going to be bringing these staff people back for a few years. And I don't think you know these guys are signed to four-year deals. So you know you have them at least for four years. You're not going to trade those three guys. I don't think they're going to have a problem selling tickets for the next four years. So I don't think there's anything for them to do for the next four years. Our next headline. And this is kind of the flip side of all of this. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell this week visited Jacksonville, which may be the worst market in the NFL for selling tickets. Many of their games didn't sell out last year, so you couldn't watch the game in the local market. That's really a rare thing for an NFL team to not sell out their home games. So Commissioner Goodell, you know, in a very subtle way, kind of sent a message to the people of Jacksonville this week and said, look, if you don't sell out your games... There are other markets around the country that would love to have your team. You better sell your tickets because if you don't, you may not be here very long. No, I completely agree with you. And like you said, you know, I feel bad for Jacksonville because it is a good sports city. But if you're not going to go out and support your NFL team, you know, seriously, you don't deserve to see your game on TV locally. You don't deserve to have any attention. So, you know, 
Commissioner Goodell is looking out for the best product, you know, that he can put forth. And if it's not there, he's going to do something in his power to make sure that, you know, it's at least making money, you know, besides the TV revenue or at least making the city proud. And it's not doing either. And it's bad because you don't want to have that one kind of rotten apple franchise taking down the value of everybody else. Right. And again, Commissioner Goodell, it looks bad for his league if you have a team that's not selling out their games and most of your other markets are selling out their games. Our final headline of the week, Boston Celtics forward Kevin Garnett has signed a multi-year, multi-million deal with Chinese footwear and apparel company Anta. He's left Adidas. He opted out of his contract early. And he's another player Bobby, like Baron Davis, like others in the NBA who have said, I'm saying goodbye to these companies based in the United States or even, you know, your Adidas, your Nike, your Reeboks, the main three, and I'm going to go to Li Ning or, in this case, Anta. And there are all these consumers over in China, as I saw a few years ago. A lot of these athletes are going on these tours over in China, and they see that there's six billion people over there. A lot of potential buyers, and they're being wooed to sign with these Chinese companies. I don't think the product is nearly as good as your Nikes, Adidas, or Reeboks, but the marketers over there will tell you you can reach a much larger base, which is true because there's a lot more people over there, and there's a lot more money to be made over here in China if you focus your efforts here than in the United States or in Europe. So here's the latest example of an athlete going down that path. And, you know, and I really think for the athlete, it's not about the product that's being put out. I think it's about the name and how much money they can get at the moment. Yeah, I think Kevin Garnett probably got more money and more of a guarantee, and they told him you can reach more people, and he said, hey, I'm out. Thanks, Adidas. And he's now going to be with Anta. All right, coming up in our next segment, I'm going to give you a rant. And there are just some athletes out there that are bothering me. I'm wondering what kind of advice they're getting. One of the things I do is I dole out advice to athletes. And I've seen some actions from athletes in the last six months that have blown my mind. And I'm going to rant on that in our next segment. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and I wanted to spend the next few minutes talking about a few athletes that have made decisions over the last six months or have been advised by people, and these decisions have been nothing short of staggering to me, especially when you consider who these athletes are. These are not your B or your C-list athletes. These are your A elite athletes. 
Tiger Woods, we all know his story. I'm not going to regurgitate it. But to say that his situation since last November has been anything short of a train wreck would be an understatement. And the fact that Mark Steinberg at IMG and his publicist, who used to work at Augusta National, um, have all given him advice that I think was very detrimental to his career and to how he could get out of that crisis situation, it blows my mind. The latest athlete, and we've talked about this, and you know, I know I'm going to get some emails from people telling me to zip it on this subject, but he continues to make one bad decision after the other is LeBron James. Bobby, I think it's agreed upon by most people that LeBron choosing to leave Cleveland for Miami is totally his option. That's why he was a free agent. He earned the right to give himself options to leave or to stay. He chose to leave. That's not what most people are upset about. What they're upset about is how that process unfolded and the fact that he had a one-hour special, the decision, to announce his decision instead of doing it on Twitter, instead of putting out a statement, instead of having a press conference um, and facing the music. He had this one-hour special, which I think not only for ESPN, but for a lot of people just left a really bad taste in their mouth. This week, he makes another decision that just leaves you scratching your head. Zagrunas Elgowskis, who used to play center for many years in Cleveland, took out an ad this week thanking the fans in Cleveland in the Cleveland newspaper. Class act. Classy move. Big Z's held in high esteem in Ohio. Not nearly the high esteem that LeBron was held in, but it was a classy move. Just days later... LeBron James takes out an ad, not in the Cleveland paper, but in the Akron Beacon Journal. LeBron is from Akron. It's his hometown. Nothing wrong with that. The problem with the ad is that it doesn't mention Cleveland, and it doesn't mention Cavs fans. So he thanked the city of Cleveland this weekend in Akron. He's got his uh, foundation's bike-a-thon that takes place every year. It's a good event. He brings in a lot of other NBA celebrities. They raise money. It's a good thing. But the fact that he chose not to include Cleveland or Cavs fans in this ad was another, I don't know what you want to call it, another shot at Cavaliers fan. I mean, first, you're having a TV special to just turn that knife in the back of Cavs fan. And now you're taking this ad out in an Akron paper, and you're not mentioning Cavs fan or Cleveland fan. For LeBron not to be smart enough to realize that's a mistake, and furthermore, for Maverick Carter and for the people around LeBron to not realize that's a mistake, it's staggering. Again, just like with Tiger Woods, LeBron James, one of the biggest athletes on the planet, these guys are concerned with their image. They do a lot to try and craft their images, yet it seems like over the last six months, every single step they've taken, they've made the wrong moves. And it's mind-boggling to me, like I said, Bobby, that, you know, you pay people to be around you to help you make decisions, and, you know, you'd like to think that some of these athletes are, are 
uh, pretty good on their feet and can make good decisions on their own, but they don't make good decisions. No, and you know what? We really need to give out your number and my number at the end of the segment because we are available for hire if these guys really want to call us. Not that we'd consider taking them on or anything, but still, you make moves to repair your image, especially LeBron. Because listen, LeBron is now the most hated guy in Cleveland. There's no, there's no if, well, ands, or buts and about it. Well, circle your calendar, December sure. 2nd, TNT. It looks like that's the date where LeBron will return to Cleveland and the queue for the first time as a visitor. And they're going to need some heavy security that night. Absolutely. And that's going to be interesting to watch. That's a game I will sit down. I will watch the game from start to finish and see how that plays out. Uh, that's must-see TV for me. Absolutely. And I have nothing against LeBron James, and I have nothing against him taking out the ad in the Akron paper. But he needs to do something to thank the Cleveland fans. Because, listen, he was their franchise. You know, there's no there's no question about it. LeBron single-handedly revived the Cleveland franchise. And now that he's gone, you know, we've seen, you know, people burning the jerseys. We saw them taking down the giant jersey outside of the queue. He's got to do something to at least say thank you or, hey, you know, listen, I appreciate your time. This What, what he said on the ESPN special was not heartfelt. Well, it, it was forced. It, yeah, it was it was acting sure. is what it was. And, you know, here's my problem with this whole situation with LeBron. I know of some things that took place behind the scenes with the Cavaliers organization that led to LeBron's departure. Okay? If LeBron doesn't want to talk about those things, that's one thing. Sure. But to hold them against the fans of Cleveland is another thing. If you want to be mad at Dan Gilbert, if you want to be mad at your teammates, if you want to be mad at the front office, okay, that's your business. You left Cleveland. You're on to Miami now. But the Cavs fans were supportive of LeBron and did nothing but, you know, root for this guy, buy his products, and and revere him. And... I don't get the the backlash that he's given to Cavs fans and to Cleveland so far, and, and I think it's it's classless, frankly. And again, for him not to recognize it, for his management team not to recognize it, just like with Tiger Woods' management team with his fiasco, is nothing short of mind-blowing to me because, again, these guys make all the money you'd ever want to make. You could hire whoever you want, and most people— have the brains and intelligence to say these are bad decisions. Now, the other guy who's gotten my, on my nerves this week, and he gets on my nerves every time this year, is Brett Favre. This guy, you know, talk about a drama king. And aren't we all sick of hearing the speculation year after year? Is Brett Favre coming back? Is Brett Favre not coming back? And he holds these teams hostage. Right up until the first game of the season. For the record, I think Brett Favre is going to play for the Vikings this year. I think he'll not only play this year, but he'll play the following season because I think we're going to miss most of next season because of a work stoppage. He's got 13 million reasons to play this year. He, you know, I know he had surgery, but this is a guy who craves the spotlight, obviously, because he does this year after year. And I just think... You know, again, he's surrounded by enablers. In this case, it's the Vikings organization. Hey, Brad Childress is going to go hunting with him. He's going to come visit his house. You know, and then you've got the the king enablers of all is us, the media. I'm not going to take full responsibility, but the people who came out this week and there's a report, sources say, that Brett Favre is retiring. So then you've got all the TV networks airing retirement packages. Based on a rumor 
or based on sources. Until I hear from Brett Favre that he's retiring, I don't want to see any retirement packages on TV. It's been also mind-blowing to me, not to get off track completely, to see how the media has deteriorated in the last few months with the Tiger Woods stuff, with the conference realignment stuff, with the LeBron James stuff, now with the Brett Favre stuff. I mean, you could have someone in their basement tweet something, and networks are going to report that as fact. And I think it's irresponsible journalism, and it's frankly a way for people to fill their talk shows. And, you know, I don't want to waste any more time on this, but it's something that's bothered me. I wanted to rant about it this week, and... There's my rant. I'll shut up on it. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I was sitting at home watching SportsCenter, as I do some, most mornings, and I feel bad. Josh Elliott is the guy that has to make the first thing on SportsCenter saying, hey, you know, reports say Brett Favre is retiring. Breaking news. Breaking Everything's news. Everything's breaking news now. And I, just watching his byline, he didn't seem like he was interested in it. And he even said on the first thing, he goes, this is the third time I've had to report on this. He goes, honestly, can we just hear from Brett? And he made, I mean, listen, now granted... He's an anchor, but he's making the correct point right off the bat. Talk to Brett. Talk to his wife. Talk exactly. to his doctor. Talk to someone who knows. Don't tell me there's a report in the Minneapolis paper that says he's going to retire, and then you've got reports later in the day saying, well, uh, his teammates and his coach don't know anything about this. It's ridiculous. And, again, it's a way in August when, frankly, the only thing going on is baseball and NFL training camps. It's pretty slow. It's a way for people to – Get some content out there. And I thought it was disappointing this week. All right. Enough of that. Coming up next, Bill Sanders. He's the vice president of marketing for BDA Sports. BDA Sports represents the likes of Yao Ming, Greg Oden, Steve Nash, and Rajon Rondo. We're going to catch up with him about his athletes. He made a trip to China recently. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is a good friend and a fellow loyal Marymount Lion. He's Bill Sanders. He's the chief marketing officer for BDA Sports. Bill, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. Always a pleasure, my friend. So you are a globe traveler, a globe trotter. You just got back from China. You were there with Yao Ming and some of your other players. 
Tell us about that trip. I was there a few years ago, and, you know, obviously I was there with you for part of my trip. And, you know, it's just amazing to see all the growth that is taking place over in China. Kevin Garnett, we talked in our our headline segment, his left Adidas and is signing with the Chinese uh, shoe company and apparel company. More and more athletes are recognizing China. How was your trip and what did you see? It, it was a great trip. It was a, a sequel to the trip that you were with us last time, which was in 2007. Uh, we had intended on making it an annual charity game to raise money for the Yao Foundation over there, but with the Beijing Olympics in 2008 and Yao's injury in 2009, we had to sort of hold it off for a couple of years. So this year we went back to Beijing. We also did a game in Taipei, and uh, it was a great experience. We, we the, the Final tally's not in yet, but we raised over a million and a half dollars for Yao's foundation. And we brought uh, Steve Nash and Baron Davis and Brandon Jennings and Amir Johnson and Chase Budinger and you know, a bunch of BDA clients over there to, to play the charity games and attend a charity banquet in each city to, to raise money for the kids. And ultimately, the money is going to uh, the Sichuan province where the earthquakes happened and Yao's rebuilding some of the schools there. That's fantastic. I remember when I was on the trip with you and your athletes, how some of your athletes who hadn't been over there before were blown away by, A, the reception they got, but, B, just the potential opportunities that exist in China. Maybe you can talk about that for a moment. Well, when we were there last time, we saw the potential, and now we're seeing the trees bear fruit. I mean, and it's not just about financial. It's really just about awareness of the sport, basketball, at that time, I think, was arguably the number two or three most popular sport with soccer and ping pong and, you know, other sports being up there. But basketball is, is completely, you know, probably the most popular sport in all of China now. It's amazing the awareness of the NBA and, of, and understanding of the game. And even, even the pickup games on the streets are so much more well-organized than they were when we were last there. It was kind of organized chaos last time, and now it's, it's as good as any, you know, Rucker Park or any other kind of pickup game you can find here in the States. Really high-quality competition and awareness of the sport. and It's just it's a completely different, you know, environment than it was three years ago. How is Yao Ming's health? Is he going to be on the basketball court? Is he going to play this NBA season? Well, you know, I, I leave those kinds of announcements and, and decisions to, you know, more qualified people than myself. But I do know that, you know, he's, he's practicing, he's running. Yeah, so really almost no restrictions now. I'm not sure if he started full contact yet or not. I think that's the next step. But everybody on our side, you know, is very optimistic about the season and happy to see him out there running around. He practiced with our guys. He did play in the games. It would have been premature to have him play. Um, but he did attend a practice with all the guys and ran shooting drills and was draining threes and free throws and, and turnaround jumpers and all. It was beautiful to see him out there. So he looks really good to me. You know, we always talk about the world's most marketable athletes, and a lot of times people leave Yao Ming off that list. You're someone who does deals for Yao Ming to great success, not only domestically but internationally. Is he as marketable as ever, or because he's been off the court the last few years, has his popularity in the marketing place uh, declined a little bit? No, it hasn't declined at all. I think the injury obviously changes things a little, and, and, you know, the viewership was down in China last year because he wasn't playing. But in the interim, he's had the Olympics. 
and you know he's had his charity work and and has remained as as visible as ever in China. In fact, while we were over there, one of the things we announced was a new partnership with Monster Cable, which is the company, among other things, that makes Beats. You know the Dr. Dre Beats and the yeah. Lady Gaga Beats, the most yep. popular headphones here in the U.S. And Monster is basically hanging their entire brand in China on Yao. They're going to launch about 200 products under the Yao Monster brand. And we were over there to launch those things. We did press in, in uh, Beijing, Taipei, and Shanghai. And, and you know, they, they expect it to be, you know, an awfully massive market for them in the very near future. And, and it's all going to be, you know, built upon Yao. Wow. So he's as popular as ever there. And, and, you know, and more engaged than ever. Also, the other thing that's helped, you know, keep him popular over there in the interim while he hasn't been playing is his ownership of the Shanghai Sharks. So he, he owns that team, and, and in one year of ownership, you know, almost did from worst to first. I mean, took them from a team that didn't make the playoffs to a team, you know, that, that pressed to make the finals and, and really did extremely well in the playoffs there. So uh, he's, he's really as popular as ever. We're joined by Bill Sanders. He's the chief marketing officer of BDA Sports. Bill, I want to ask you about a few of your young players that you've got in your stable there at BDA. Rajon Rondo, maybe the MVP of the playoffs, really a breakout playoff for him. He recently signed a deal with Red Bull. Then you've got Brandon Jennings, who is a fantastic rookie, put up 55 points in a game. Are people beating your doors down to get to these young guys? Well, you know, everybody in my position wants to say that doors are being beaten down. It's not that kind of an economy right now, but in both of their cases, there has been awful lot of interest, and it's been fun closing deals in a down market. It's, it's, it's been great with both of them. It's a lot of fun when people like that, you know, capture fans' imagination, and they work hard in the community. And when, they, when all those things come together, you know, you do end up having uh, great opportunities to look at. So I'm really proud of Rajan's Red Bull partnership. Uh, we just announced, I don't even know if it's been formally announced yet, but Brandon Jennings has a partnership with Power Balance. We attended a big event for them last night. And uh, with both guys, it's, it's a lot of fun looking for new partners and closing deals for them. Well, and it seems like they're both willing to uh, engage with marketing deals, and that's kind of half the battle, isn't it? It is now, especially. I, I really think now more than ever, sponsors really you know, can, can insist on a lot of, of uh, participation on, on behalf of the spokespeople. It's not just show up for the production day anymore. They got to engage in social media. They got to really advocate the brand. I actually just left Brandon Jennings, and we were talking about this. And I was saying to him that with a company like Power Balance that's up and coming, I said, you know, you can really move the needle for them and make a huge, huge difference. You know, by by advocating the brand, by engaging, by visiting their corporate headquarters when you're in town. And he told me I didn't even know. He said, well, I went to lunch with all those guys yesterday just just to get a bike. So. You know, I think that when guys engage, um, it certainly helps their marketability, and it's what sponsors are going to expect moving forward, in my view. Yeah, you wrote a column for our friends at the Sports Business Journal, and it's kind of about how the market has corrected itself. We've seen Tiger Woods, Michael Vick, Ben Roethlisberger, even Kobe Bryant go through scandals that have tarnished their image. It's made companies think twice about hanging their image on the image of some of these elite athletes. Maybe you can talk about that story and just how you've seen the market change in the last few years. Well, you know, the Mount Rushmore of athlete icons has cracked, right? It's amazing. It's, I don't think, you know, we've ever been through a time like this where the icons have sort of come back down to earth. And, 
you know, for, for me, I actually like it because I always say that the truth comes out, and if a guy's a stand-up guy, he's a stand-up guy, people are going to get to know who you are no matter what kind of image you try to craft. And so with our guys, we always just try and tell the real story so there are no surprises. If a guy's a family man, that's the story you tell. If he's a single guy and a bachelor, then you can't hide from that. Those things are all going to come out. And, and in our cases, again, when we, we push what we call the tenets of athlete marketability, it's, it's uh, success and talent and integrity and charisma. When those four things are clicking, you know, then you can be a marketable athlete. I don't think deals are going to fall in anybody's laps anymore. I think sponsors are going to be more careful than ever. Yeah, obviously, winning and, and being the top of your game is, is still the ultimate key to marketability. But, you know, I, I also just happen to believe that, that guys are going to have to be genuine and connected in the community, connected in social media. And, uh, and you know, the, the onus is going to be on guys to work harder than ever for these deals. But when they do, they're going to they're gonna be rewarded for it. The other thing to keep in mind, too, in my mind, is that sports is really regional in nature. You know, no disrespect to Kobe or anybody else, but certainly team sports is regional. And so for a guy like Rajon Rondo, you know, he can, he can really own Boston if he works at it, and that's his goal, and he wants to be engaged in the community and in the business community. And for him, yeah, he'll have some national play, but he can be very, very powerful in a market like Boston. And so that's really where we're doing a lot of our work is engaging locally and, and letting sort of the concentric circles of popularity bleed outward from there. Are you seeing deals? You know, you read the stories about David Wright and 50 Cent, how instead of getting paid by vitamin water, they took a percentage of ownership of the company. And then when vitamin water was sold, they got paid a lot of money. I guess David Wright got about $20 million, and reports are that 50 Cent got $100 million in lieu of getting some endorsement fees up front. Are you seeing more athletes take that risk and maybe take part of the ownership if it's offered instead of taking a fee? You know, it's tricky. I Yes, that's the trend, and we've been pretty aggressive pursuing those kinds of deals. The problem is for every vitamin water, you know, there's 50 beverage brands that failed. Right. And you know, when you're in our shoes and you're making the recommendation, like, look, we've vetted this, we've done our due diligence, we think there's a good chance this company succeeds, let's take a risk. Well, it's like a stock portfolio. You also have to tell your guys that, you know, you know, three, four, five out of ten of those kinds of deals are not going to work. But if one or two of them do, then it's worth taking that approach. Some guys don't want to take that approach. They're not worth – they're not willing to take that kind of risk. They don't think it's worth it. But more and more of our guys are getting engaged in that regard. Steve Nash is very entrepreneurial. Uh, and, you know, the other thing that we're seeing, too, is not just stock or equity in a company, but more rev share opportunities. So, again, it goes back to social media. If a guy has a lot of fans on his Facebook page and he can help move product and get a piece of every product he sells, he's motivated to really deliver results for the company. And I like deals like that. It, it, it really, again, engages our guys and, and presses them to – to you know, be advocates of the brands they're working for. We're joined by Bill Sanders. He's the chief marketing officer for BDA Sports. I want to ask you about strategic PR. That's my business when I'm not doing this show is PR. And we talked in our last segment about Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Brett Favre, some of these athletes who have not made good strategic PR decisions over the last six months. I'll ask you about LeBron specifically since he's an NBA guy. We saw the decision we saw this week that he placed an ad and he didn't thank the Cavs fans or the city of Cleveland. 
does it make you kind of scratch your head a little bit and say, gosh, for guys at this level, how are they making decisions like that? Well, the first thing I'll say is that it's very, very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, right? And right. we're in the good seat. We get to sit and look at the results and, and assess whether or not we you know, think the strategy was right. So I, you know, I want to really say that. The hardest thing to do is to be in the decision-maker seat, and, and, and obviously Tiger and LeBron, they have good people and smart people around them. That said, if you do sort of you know, judge by the results in both cases, I can't imagine that the outcome was what was expected. And, you know, I don't believe that there's no such thing as bad press. I believe that every PR opportunity has to be strategic, and you've got to decide what is your goal. You know, if you're Tiger and your goal is to try and get people to have some compassion and sympathy for you, you know, then doing a press conference where you take no questions and you read a statement and you look like you don't want to be there, that's not the right way to get that result. And my view is in LeBron's case, if you know that the news that you're going to deliver is make a lot of people angry, is going to make a lot of people angry in New York and Chicago and the state of Ohio and Los Angeles and these massive markets, you know, I think that you've got to make an announcement in a way that is going to play favorably in those markets. And if you can't deliver the news in a way that is going to play favorably, my advice would be to take a low-key approach. It's, it's, it's very, very risky to go on TV and say, I'm rolling to South Beach when, you know, you're trying to be a, a nationally marketable guy and you're suddenly going to make angry the three biggest markets in the country plus the state of Ohio. Well, and a guy in LeBron's case who really had crafted his image based on being that homegrown guy, the guy who was loyal, yeah. the guy who hung with his high school teammates. This is a homegrown guy. Now, I don't know how you market LeBron. I mean, if you were LeBron's agent, how do you market him going forward? Well, you know, winning cures everything. I, I really felt that Kobe would never be back at the mountaintop, and I still don't know that he necessarily is, but he's come a lot farther than I thought he would. And so, you know, winning helps an awful lot. But that said, you know, I don't think people in New York or Ohio and to a lesser degree Chicago are going to ever embrace him again. It's going to be awfully tough. They're going to have a bad taste in their mouth for a long time. You know, I think if he was, if he knew he was going to my, I was so positive he was going back to Ohio when I heard the way they were going to announce it. I just thought for sure he's going back. And, you know, my, my take is if they knew that he was going to leave, then, you know, what is the legacy that we want to leave in Cleveland and in Ohio? Maybe use that announcement as an opportunity to also, you know, say, I'm going to give 2% of my income or 5% of my income for the rest of my career to Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Ohio, you know throw something in there that shows that you still do love Ohio and that you're grateful to the city of Cleveland for paying you all that money all those years. Yeah, it's so interesting, such an interesting business, and that's why we follow it. And you're living and breathing every day. And I want to thank you so much for taking time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. You can go to BDASports.com. Bill is on Twitter, at Bill Sanders. Bill, thank you so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it as always. Thank you, Bill. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach, 
When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, I told you at the beginning of the show that last week I went with my daughter to Disneyland in California, and I went just in time. Because Disney announced this week that the parks in California and Florida are going to raise ticket prices. They announced this on Tuesday. So the one park pass is going to rise from $79 to $82 for ages 10 and up. Tickets for children ages 3 to 9 will go from 68 to $74. And then for adults, it's going to go from 72 to $76. So not a huge increase, but Bobby, if I were going to make Quick changes to Disneyland. Two things I would do. A, I'd put in a Starbucks. And B, I'd put in In-N-Out hamburgers. If they put in those two entities into the Disneyland parks, at least in California, they'd make more money than they know what to do with. And I know they already make a lot of money. But, uh, boy, I'd love to see Starbucks and In-N-Out at Disneyland in California. Two solid companies with the great American icon. You can't lose with that. The only problem is I can't even imagine the lawyers that would need to be involved on Disneyland side of the table, Starbucks, and In-N-Out. That would be so much red tape, I don't think those deals would ever get done. All right, want to thank Bill Sanders for joining us this week, BDASports.com, at Bill Sanders on Twitter. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, New School Media Coaching, and a podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. We're on iTunes. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. I'm on Twitter, at SB Radio. I'm Brian Berger for Bobby Corser. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio.